after a long winter's break, the graphic content podcast is back in 2018. And what better way to celebrate than with a full spoiler heavy review of Black Panther, the latest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise. I I am so excited for you guys to listen to this one because I had a great conversation with a couple of co-hosts. I do want to issue a small apology. Actually, it's a big apology in advance to the costume designer of this film, who I constantly refer to as Ruth E. Lewis when we recorded this. Her name is actually Ruth E. Carter, and I am so embarrassed about that one. So please forgive me on that one. But please note, it doesn't make her any less a genius because I effed up her name. She is phenomenal. And I hope you go out and see this film and have as much fun as we did. Did I just spoil the spoiler review of this show? Find out when you listen to this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. How's life? He seems nice. And we're back with episode 42 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason, and Adam is not here today. He's not feeling good. Adam, uh, please feel better soon. I need my partner in crime back. But to fill his shoes, at least for this afternoon, I need not one but two powerful individuals to come into the high-tech graphic content studio to lend their savvy wisdom to our review of Black Panther, the latest I, I think it's the 19th of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films at this point. I, it just blows my mind that, that we have 19 Marvel Cinematic Universe films. So I'm going to go to my radio left, which to you doesn't mean anything here at this point. And <laughs> welcome to the podcast for the very first time, the man with the golden throat, Mr. Damon Allums, how are you, sir? Glad to see you again. Hey, we've known each other for decades. Yes. Graphic pod, graphic content podcast. Very, very glad to be here with you, my man. Yeah, glad <laughs> to have you here. I mean, Damon was one of our co-hosts going all the way back to Mission Command in uh, 2014. Yep. God, Ancient a, history. Well, I mean, four <laughs> years in internet history is like... Ancient. It's very ancient. It's like dinosaurs were still roaming the earth at that point. And uh, speaking of dinosaurs, Manny Gomez comes back into uh, the studio. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. And it's going to be so good talking about this movie. Oh, my God. This is, this is going to be a great movie. So to refresh you on how we review things on the Graphic Content Podcast... We start with what we liked about the film, the things that really got our hearts racing and got, got our asses out of the seats, um, just to cheer. We sit right back down after we're done cheering. We don't leave. 
unless it's really bad. It'd be a very short review if that was the case. So we talked about what we liked about the film. Then we talked about what we think could have been better. I don't like to say hate unless the movie is really, really bad, but chances are I'm not going to pay to go see a really, really bad movie. I'm not in that kind of um, uh, self-torturous mode yet. Long live Uwe Ball. Ooh, Uwe Ball. <laughs> The man, the myth, the person who should just go away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to rate this on a scale of one to five. What should we rate this on a scale of one? One to five sacred heart-shaped herbs. Oh, that. I think that works. I, I think Damon nailed it on the first try there. You are now a member of the GCP crew at this all time. Right. You, there we go. You've secured your position. So after all that, uh, we're going to... Um, uh, rated on a scale of one to five sacred heart-shaped herbs. And then after that point, we might talk a little bit about, you know, things that we love seeing the character and whether it was a comic or an animation or something like that um, before uh, seeing this film. So, guys, Damon, since you are our first uh, timer in the studio, talk a little bit about what you liked about this film. Oh, man. First, I've got to give a disclaimer. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm scared now. Yeah, brace yourselves. Um, those who are in my circle know that Uncle Walt and I don't get along. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, I we, remember we, from back in the day, man. Yes, we've had our epic debates and parted as friends because it's a debate, nothing personal. But um, I feel that Walt Disney as a company doesn't rep to yeah. the degree that they could. Agreed. Um, unless there's money to be made. Now, they realized that there was money to be made, and they are making money hand over fist yeah. with this movie. So I'm looking forward to the new trend of the browning of nerd culture. Yeah. Because now that there's money in it. Yeah. Um, that said, um, what did I love about this? Seeing the range of faces that look like they could be at my family reunion, not as a sidekick, uh-huh. but as the hero, the villain, the tech, and the sidekick? Yeah. That is... Yeah. I had to take a moment. I yeah. had to take a moment. It was, it was unreal. You know, I, I think you're friends on Facebook with Stephen Barnes. Correct. As, and I am as well. And he is... If you don't know Stephen Barnes, he is one of the treasures of science fiction. I mean... Going, oh, what was his first book that with Aubrey Knight? I'm trying to remember. Street Lethal. Street Lethal. There you yes. go. Yes. I mean, I remember reading Street Lethal in the late 80s, early 90s, and going, holy crap, you should seek out Stephen Barnes because he is a master of martial arts. He is a master of writing discipline, not just of, of long form prose, but of screenplays uh, with his wife, whose name also escapes me right now. Um, Crap. Tanana Reeve Duke. Tanana Reeve Duke. God, I am just losing my mind today. Got your back, Mike. Thanks, man. <laughs> but that's where I first learned of Afrofuturism as a whole segment of science fiction literature. And wait, let's backtrack. Yeah. For those who are not acquainted with the vocabulary before okay. we like lose it. I know. What is, Thank you for, what is, is this Afrofuturism of what, which you speak? What are you talking about? Admiral? It's fantastic. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's the best ever. Uh, no, can't. I got to keep wow. doing the okay side. I got to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The graphic content tradition of winding way off track still continues here. 
Um, from my understanding of Afrofuturism is um, taking the uh, skin of science fiction and applying another level of African culture, geography, the body politic, religion, um, all of it to a science fiction setting. And that's my understanding of Afrofuturism. A fair and accurate assessment. Thank you. So I became really intrigued by it because there is um, Eastern science fiction. They don't, you know, it's kind of hard to say like Asian sci-fi or Asian futurism. Yeah. But there is quite a, a list of novels published here in the United States from of science fiction based off of Chinese and Japanese novels that have taken their their cultures into the far future. And even though it seems like a recent development, I found out that Afrofuturism has been around for quite some time. Uh, to borrow the epic quote from John Boyega, we have always been here. That's right. <laughs> you just know about it now. And it was because of <laughs> Master Barnes that I just learned about it right now. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Right and, um, and, and that's kind of what I love about Black Panther. I want to let you go on. But the fact that this is now a thing with a hundred and something million dollar budget is like <laughs> mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, Go no, ahead, no, continue. No um, yeah, um, me and Uncle Walt don't get along, but yeah. he did me right by this one. Yeah. Um, seeing the the broad shouldered man of the hour, the central character, that's what I expected. What was a surprise to me was the ladies were the feature. Oh, the ladies yes. in orbit around Black Panther. I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do. But oh, no. yeah. check this out. Uh huh. Um, watching the ladies be advocates for change um kicking ass yeah doing what they got to do uh <sighs> taking their stands without the hesitation to look over their shoulder for approval like, right this is what i'm doing this is what is right this is what's going to get done now watch this mm -hmm. um that was what got me out of my seat and said um okay i'm not gonna do my polite little protest. I'm going to watch these women in action. Uh -huh. uh, so it was the representation of the Dora Milaje, yeah. Shuri, uh, the Queen Mother, and the women in the movie. That got Has me she off of aged? Angela Bassett, she oh just... Oh, my gosh. I read she just turned 59, and I swear to God, yep. I feel like I, she just stepped out of Stranger, Th Stranger Days. I told yeah. my wife, uh, I said, I still... I, I've always been attracted to her, and I'm, I'm watching this movie going, damn, oh she still looks good. And she's an oh. amazing actor. Oh, she uh, was great. She, she really very, is. Very, very regal. And oh, yes. Um, lots, lots of folks in my circle had their uh, I'm not going to cry in this theater moment uh -huh. uh, in Black Panther, and gotcha. they've shared them with me. But uh, one that I haven't revealed until right now, because I went with a mutual friend of ours. Okay. Um, and it had to be private. It had yeah. to be real, real private, because I understand that Black Panther is the central character. He's going to do his thing. I'm going to be happy about that. Yeah. Um, to see the queen mother um, when she was on the run um, and without her headdress and the white flowing locks, Yeah. that was my moment because, because they put my mother in the oh, film. Oh, wow. Wow. It hit me like a shot. Like, okay, I can see why you would put the character that I would identify as a black man. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, but you put my mama in the... Oh, oh, oh wow. I am not going to cry in this theater. <laughs> Uncle Walt, <laughs> you and me are still not cool. 
but you got me on that one. We're taking steps. Okay. Taking, <laughs> he took a step. Yes, very, very much so. But yeah, that was, that was my one moment when I saw a representation, uh, not of myself, but of the woman that brought me here. Yeah. The, uh, I, you know, goosebumps. I had a very similar oh, moment. Oh, I'm looking at, my God. Yeah, he's yeah. got him. <laughs> you know, there. Uncle Walt did the same for me with Coco, was seeing the old woman, Coco, yeah. that hit home for me. And I was like, you know, so I get that feeling. It, right, and right, it's right. amazing when you get to see it on the screen, finally, instead that of level being... level of recognition. Instead of being the sidekick or the jokester or, you know, just the hotel the, worker in the old western, it's the villain. Or the villains, yes. you know. Or the, you know, in the old John Wayne movies, Mr. Chance, Mr. Chance. <laughs> the girl, she not here. I mean, I got tired. Like, I don't speak like that. Right. I have family members that do. Right. But... We don't all speak like that. So when you get to see something beautiful that represents who you are, it's just amazing. That's that's the thing that just makes me go, you know, it helps me realize something as uh, somebody who, um, uh, you talked about how you can identify with the lead character in this film. Right. I definitely identified more with the Martin Freeman, if that tells anything of my background. <laughs> 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 uh, we definitely, even my skin tone is a little bit darker than his, <laughs> thanks to being the people of Ireland. So, but um, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that I, I until, and I'm going to actually flash back to last year with Civil War, or two years ago. Right. Was it two years ago? Two. Wow, time flies. Um, but just that when you know. I always have identified with superheroes, and I didn't really realize it until the, the, the hullabaloo surrounding Black Panther's appearance in Civil War came out, where I was like, I mean, I was always aware of the comics character. I mean, I, I'm aware of him being a, a creation of Stan and Jack going back to 1965, I think it was... Was it Fantastic Four number fifty four? I want to say. Think that's accurate. Yes, I, I, I could be wrong. You can write into us on Twitter. Shameless plug point here <laughs> at Graphic Podcast to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, but I think it was Fantastic Four number fifty four is where T'Challa first made his appearance, and I, I hadn't really given it any thought just because you know I'm in the the majority ethnicity in in this nation. Um, I mean, even though I understand our immigration status and how we took over and, you know, pretty much manifest destiny. Okay, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm dripping in white guilt right now, so I got to stop. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that I've always, rec- you know, I've always identified with characters like Cyclops or Captain America or Superman or I can't really identify with Bruce Wayne because of my current tax bracket, but I can still identify with him that that could be me under the cow if I hit the gym for about eight years straight with no breaks. The The point that I'm trying to make is, is that until this year, or until, excuse me, Civil War, I did not I, identify with the idea that there was all of my brother and sister comic fans that were out there who were missing that representation in in a lead role in in yes. taking taking the banner of the story forward for whatever the story called for you know and and Manny and I we've talked a lot about animation in the past and especially Blue Beetle and Young Justice and and how I feel like brown kids need that character right now of, of all things and yeah. and not same, El Dorado not <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make an illusion essay. I mean, that's both the most... Uh, Here's ra- my cape with no shirt on. I'm Latin lover. <laughs> Woo! 
He uh, should have had a luchador mask. I mean, that was the only least. thing that could have made. The I would have. I would have been happy with a damn sombrero. I mean, <laughs> as stereotypical <laughs> as that is, at least and I would have known he's Mexican. The, I didn't know he was Mexican. And the cape could have been a magic serape and uh, something with I, Aztec colors. Seriously, and, no. And people no, are we thinking, got El Dorado. And I do want to say, for the record, I'm wearing a Doctor Strange hat, not a Make America Great hat right now. Uh, <laughs> so Make America Great again. Make America Great again. Um, but it's just, it, I, I really got it at Civil War. Like, it just, I felt the impact. I felt the ripples. You you like to speak to ripples a lot yes, in absolutely. your online presence. And uh, I think that was the first time I had really felt the ripples at that point. So I, I'm just, there you go. That's that's my one of my little diversions right there. But uh, well, it's just amazing to be able to realize that finally at this age. As the conversation begins to ripple around what we're discussing... Um, I am, by nature, a contrarian. And in the creation of Black Panther, I have always been skeptical of the aspect of, oh, you're brown, he's brown, you can like him. Right. Which gets me to dig my heels in, which almost kept me from seeing the movie. Okay. Uh That factor, plus Uncle Walt being involved, um, at, at, at first blush, I was... Moderately resistant, sure, but I since changed my mind and glad that I did. But um, that aspect led me to be a big fan of Captain America, who's okay. my top character. Yeah, uh, but wearing the shirt exactly. Wearing so. the shirt. I'm <laughs> repping Avengers today, so you know. <laughs> um, Cap Cap has been my favorite since I was knee high to a puddle of water. Okay, um, but now I'm realizing in doing my back uh, back research for the character that. They are essentially the same. Mm-hmm. One is the in-the-trench soldier. One is the leading-from-the-front ruler. They're still representing the nobility that strikes me as a character. And so in my own maturity, I've gotten past that. He's brown. You're brown. You can like him. Because <laughs> he's brown. <laughs> oh, Lord, please, let's not go there. Right. And realizing that um, it's the writer. Yeah. And the character who yep. are telling the story and that the product is not being forced down your throat. So that's yeah. one of the things that helped me change change my resistance and get me into the theater to enjoy this great little piece. Oh. I'm, I'm telling you, it's so... It, 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 the resonance that this film has with me, and we'll talk about all the fireworks of this film also. We're, we're going to go around the table a few times, but those are the ripples that I feel. I feel like... Like, it's a watershed moment. Like, this Absolutely. is the moment where if Disney chooses between this and we got next month a wrinkle in time coming out, where this could be the year that Disney actually changed the heading on the ship. But that's hope speaking. We'll have to see. That's right. Hope is not a course <laughs> I of remain action. skeptical. I've been told where I work that hope is not a course of action. So, <laughs> you know, um, so Manny, uh, let's let's shift the, the focus over to you a little bit. Uh, what were some of your initial thoughts about the film? Well, I wasn't really familiar with the character until Civil War. Because, as you know, I'm a DC guy. Yep. And so I'm slowly, as I get older, and I dabble more into Marvel and all that. Because You learn, you grow. Well, yeah. some of the DC stuff's <laughs> just really pissing me off. So anyway. It, it's been Hanna a hard Barbera few stuff. years. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so, but I really wanted to see this movie. As soon as I knew they were going to make this movie, I wanted to see it. I needed to see it. I don't have a Hispanic superhero. I have a black superhero. 
Yeah. That's as close as I get right now. And so I'm going to take it. And I loved it. And I love that he isn't a thug from the street that all of a sudden decided to become good or yeah, because of some tragedy. Yeah, you some tragedy. No, no, no. The, he's he, regal. Like he's, he needed a correction or something it, like yeah. that. You know? You know, because that's what we get. Right. You know, I didn't need a John Singleton movie from the early nineties. I just wanted to see a superhero who's just wants to be good. And not dissing John noble Singleton. For, no, not noble yeah. for nobility's sake. Yes. 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 And not this is this is John. the this is this is the roots of the character is that like Captain America, he is also emblematic of a nationality and a culture. Right. Anyway, go on. Yeah, and me being a big Superman fan, I that's what I look for in a superhero is it, they just do good because they want to be good. Right. And this guy has it and he speaks beautifully and I like the pace that they he speaks. Um, with his accent it's just, it's very regal, and you believe it. And then the way he carries on with his sister, who I, I just fell in love with. I, I was telling my oh, wife, I, go, I said, I got a crush on her, honey, because she's so cute. I'm just into her. Yeah. Shuri, the Disney princess that you can actually back. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that princess I'm and the a, frog one. But oh, having, not, no. having four I'm so, sisters. Uh, I really like the sister, and the relationship he has with her and the way they carry on with the banter between the two. I have four sisters. Oh, so I related to that. Yeah. And then they were definitely of the the same house. It was so good. (laughs) And like, you know, we were saying that it's nice to have a hero that, okay, he's black. He represents, you know, us minorities, but you don't feel that he's representing. He's representing everybody. And I like that that's what they said in the movie. He's going to share with the world because he wants to be part of the rest of the world. Yeah. Not just a race, not just a color. He's part of the whole world. And I think that's what we need right now. And we need to see people like that because right now we're told that we're all separated and divided as they package it up with a nice little we're all united you know, sticker on it. But they're dividing us right now. So when you get superheroes to unite everyone and everyone to go see fictional characters, fictional characters are doing guys. a better job uniting us as Americans than the people we've elected to unite us as Americans. Oh, but when has that never not been the uh, case? Honestly, it's, it, on, yeah. that's a really got, good point. They've got posters of Batman from the fifties saying, "Hey, this, 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 this are all American." Oh, I remember the American, yeah, and the, the Superman, Superman icon one? from, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Manny, sorry, I mean, no, no, no you're, this is true, yeah. And, and so it was really nice to see that, and it was nice to see somebody from Africa not be like living in the desert in a hut, yeah. Because yeah, while they show some of that, but he doesn't have to come from a struggle. That he's just good, and that's what I like. He has a struggle he deals with in the movie, but. He's born to be good. He's already a leader. I, you didn't need all that fluff. It was just we dove right into the movie. We dove into who the hero was, his internal struggle, which I thought was better than an external struggle. And, man, I mean, what more do you want in a hero? Even the section, the sectionalism of Africa was built into the origin of Wakanda. Right? Yes. yes. In the origin. They which said was that Wakanda beautiful. was divided into like, I think it was five Five tribes. tribes. Yep. Uh, one tribe was the top dog. Another tribe said, kick rocks, we're heading to the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Deuces. And that kind of sectionalism, because if you go Tribalism, to, yeah, really? Yeah. If yeah. you go to Liberia... And then you go to Ghana, uh-huh. it's a totally different yes, experience. Exactly. And in microcosm, they built that into the Black Panther's origin. 
which unless you're real, 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 real hip to it, you get to gloss over. So that's uh, another thing, mm-hmm. uh, good point that uh, is touching on the point that you just made. Um, and I saw it differently. You were saying that Black Panther will unite us all. Um, by the end of the movie, when he makes the promise to uh, uh, be more forthcoming and sharing of the resources of his goat herder nation, uh, great close to the film when he said, oh, really? You have a bunch of goats. What are you going to do? Yeah. That sly smile like, hmm. <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> That's the, yeah, right. that was a great, great finish to the film. But I still felt that there would be a wall. Like, we'll give you, we'll give you what we got. Some yeah. of it. Yeah, but I don't we'll expect still, to give everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like we're we're going to give you a taste, and you know we're I, we think that the taste could help lead you to water, you know. But we're not going to just give it to you. We're yes. not just going. We're going to help show you. We're going to, you know, we're a nation of goat herders. We're going to tell you how to shepherd your flock a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, we're going to teach you, and that's the part that I find is so inspiring about the film. One of the things that I loved about the film beyond just the sense of sheer globalism that was being discussed. And I know that's a dirty word to some people, but the fact that from a small insular nation that has never shared in, <clears throat> excuse me, in full view of the, the, uh, the world's nations for them to come out and to, to take that leap of faith to share a little bit, and not just to share, but to shepherd, to teach, to mentor, to willingness to share their culture besides their wealth and their technology and their 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 art, you know, you name it, everything that makes Wakanda Wakanda, that there was a sense that they had something to offer the world um, of their a piece of their soul. Like they wanted to to join the world's communities together, which is probably going to be a big theme in an infinity war going down yeah. the road. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but it just, it, it just blew me away. I think one of the things it really just blew me away. It became uh, a story that was just much bigger than a black Batman running around and fighting crime. Right. Very true. It was far, far beyond that. It really was. And I don't think you have, and I think this is a truism when it comes to superhero fiction, whether it's in a comic book, a movie, or even the the new spate of superhero novels, both young adult and adult novels that are coming out, which are talking about superheroes. Um, I think w- one of the things that you cannot have for with without the superhero is the supervillain. And let me tell you something. Michael B. Jordan, to me, was the one of the few saving graces of the Fantastic Four disaster. Yes, I said that out loud. <laughs> okay? I said that out loud. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan was a favorite of mine going back all the way to Friday Night Lights. And then right. he did a couple of years guest stint on Parenthood, uh, the remake of the Ron Howard movie from the late 80s. It was a great TV show about family. I know. Was this? Why am I talking about this on graphic Big content? Softy. I I love to cry. I I don't know why. <laughs> you know, that's why I watch This Is Us all the time, with the spectacular Sterling K. Brown who is in this film as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Holy crap! For a bit role, that guy nailed me right between the eyes emotionally. Um, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, but the the villains of this film, 
the bit villain, as I like to call it, because they have a bit villain and then they have the, the mastermind, bad. the big bad. The bit villain, if your bit villain is Andy Serkis, your film is already better than half of what Hollywood <laughs> is putting out right now, okay? And he was amazing as Ulysses Claw. I wish, and again, this is a spoilers podcast, as I mentioned in the cold open, is that my only wish is, is that we got to see him convert to sound and escape at the end because I want more Andy Circus down the road, you know? Yeah. But, um, but Michael B. Jordan, man, I mean, he had me in Fruitvale Station, which was his first joint that he did with um, uh, Ryan Coogler, the yes. director. Um, and then there was Creed, and I'm oh. a big Rocky fan, so... Creed was, yeah. Holy God almighty that they were able to salvage... The Rocky franchise, which, by the way, Rocky Balboa is a great film, you know, as the final film of the Rocky. I loved it. It was a great film. But to see the the story of Rocky transferring from the the hero of the story to the Jedi master of the story and to help help bring this kid up. Next generation, yeah. To help shepherd the next generation. And Michael B. Jordan, he is doing the work of a lifetime right now. And then Eric... Killmonger, I forget what his last name, real last name was, but he was sent. They bring the in, in the comic books, his name was Eric Killmonger, and they turned Killmonger into not just a villain that could challenge the Black Panther, you know, one of the most, you know, superior first in all categories, right? First in all categories, martial arts, physicality, he's superhuman tactics, he's got the technology. You know, he's got vibranium coming literally out of every pore in his body, I think, at one point. Um, but that this is a villain that was worthy of the hero of the story in not just not just in the tactical ways, but in the long-term strategic ways, in how he challenged the hero's way of life, in how he challenged the hero's worldview of Wakanda. You know, mm-hmm. my, my primary role as king of Wakanda is to protect Wakanda. And Eric Killmonger, just Killmonger. Uh, but what about me? You yeah. left me. You left me. You knew, and you left me. That's right. <laughs> and and you know that 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 when at the second challenge of was it Hero Falls? Was that the name of of, of the area? Sounds accurate. Yes. Um, the second challenge where he challenges Black Panther for the role of hero. I'm sitting there going. Oh wow! You know when he takes his shirt off and you see all the scarification the for for every kill, kill he's made, and you realize that oh no, this kid knew exactly where his dad came from. His dad being played by the aforementioned Sterling K. Brown, that he was the rogue brother of T'Chakas, and that he was the one who sold the vibranium to Ulysses Claw in the in the beginning. That that, that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> oh my God! And Sterling. He sold the shit out of that. I mean, he he had me like he has me in an episode of This Is Us. He had me like he had me in The People versus O.J. Simpson. He is... I, I, I don't like... Pro- okay, yes, I love to make proclamations. Let's, let's be <laughs> yeah, honest here. On. But honestly, I think that you know there are so many great actors of color coming up in Hollywood nowadays. I think Hollywood is maybe a step or two ahead of the Walt Disney Corporation right now. In general, I'm not saying that even that has progressed to the point where maybe it should, but Sterling K. Brown is this young actor of color who is, his momentum is just beginning, and this is another prime example of it, but 
it was how his story kicked off the momentum of Killmonger's story and how he became a challenge to everything that Black Panther believed in. And I, I, I you and know, you sometimes felt bad for him too. You know, you, you know, and that's the thing the, the, there's the old adage that every, every villain is the hero of his or her own story. But it was even more than that because he knew he was a bad guy. He knew that he was a tough dude. He knew he grew up on, on the mean streets of Oakland in the 90s. He knew that he, he went to the military and did some black bag operations that cost him pieces of his soul, but it was all for a purpose. All in pursuit, all in pursuit of the goal. Of the goal, and the goal was is to, is to um, honor his father, whom he believed, who he viewed as being murdered and left to die on, on, in a project's floor. And 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 lift his father's name up in the in the Hall of Wakandan heroes. But in the pursuit of his mission, his pursuit in the, his pursuit in the mission, uh, from what I understand, the mission that he was on was to uplift the entire children of the diaspora. So uh, yes. the, yeah. the vibranium, the, the Wakandan technology. Oh, we're going to bring up all the people. That's right. I'm going to lift them up where you wouldn't. Right. And in taking over the throne gives T'Challa, once he assumes it, a little bit more responsibility. Like, you know what? Mm-hmm. The bad guy wasn't really wrong. He wasn't all, which, he wasn't which, all wet. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It, um, I would like to give credit to the writers of the story to flip that level of the diaspora. Right. Uh, so the, Amer- the American cousins of the folks in Africa... What's really going on between us? Right. They spun it into a hero-villain cycle that ended up making the hero grow by the end of the film. That, that was brilliant. Yeah. That was brilliant. And uh, just, to, just to say it out loud here, because I'm looking it up on IMDb right now, uh-huh. um, he is a friend of Ryan Coogler's by the name of Joe Robert Cole, and he has worked on American Crime Story, um, which I believe was he was a co-producer on ten series of uh, ten episodes of that series, which was the um, uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson. It was the first season okay. of it, uh, and then he gets with his his buddy from film school, uh, Ryan Coogler, who's done okay for himself. <laughs> and, right, and and these two guys who both came up in very similar ways. Uh, we're able to help craft the story, and it was just announced. I'm reading here right now that he is writing a film adaptation of Rom Space Night. So, Whoa. this guy's a member of a wholly different tribe. Also, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to remix Rom. They're going to do a live action Rom Space Night. Um, well, okay. I know that I know I know the word is early, but you got me interested. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got me Sign interested. Sign me up. Okay. On the um, radar. One of the things I I, I don't want to leave a, the behind what we liked about this film just yet because uh-huh. I'm sure we Absolutely. all have a, a critique got, or two. We got plenty. Yeah, we got we we got some things that I'm sure we would have liked to have seen better there. But you know, in in looking at it in comparison, I want to see how you guys feel about this in comparison to I wouldn't say the earliest Marvel films because I don't think Marvel knew Marvel was Marvel back then. Agreed. You know, it was just the the house that Robert Downey Jr. built. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, but. In, let's say, the spate of Marvel films over the last, let's say, three to five years, since the first Avengers movie. Gotcha there. Closed out phase one. 
How do we feel about how Black Panther, the film, stacks up with those previous films? I know. Pondering. The Pondering. wheels are turning. Look, uh, I think it's got more substance. I, I think it's got a hell of a lot more substance. I, I'm thinking in the terms of the, the um, spectacle of it in, you know, how does it deliver in the fights and the comic bookiness of it and whatnot. And I'll just lead off and say that I feel from, okay, here's a piece that I want to go into. The fight at, at, at Warrior Falls yes. is, is the name of it, not Heroes Falls, it's Warrior Falls. The fight at Warrior Falls in the beginning with um, T'Challa against M'Baku, M'Baku. M'Baku, the man-ape from, okay, which... Granted, it was a pretty terrible character from the pages of Marvel Jungle Action. From the comics, yes. Yeah. The way that they flipped that and made him a character worthy of praise. Yeah. Uh-huh. These guys are doing God's work. They are. <laughs> it's cool. Like Man-Ape? Uh, the ooh, Man-Ape, was... which is one of the most racist POS characters. I mean, Exactly. They flipped that, and yeah, I want to be like... Okay, so I'm girl. coming from the outside... He was called Man Ape. He was he, called Man Ape. General man. description of the costume would be uh, an ape, <laughs> ape skin costume, white, white open, gorilla. Yeah, white. Where his face shows through the open mouth of the ape. Got the uh, I'm from the backwoods, uh, 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 like loincloth. Loincloth. Yes, white ape, brown hands. Brown face uh-huh. showing from in front, of, oh. showing from out of the mouth, of out of the ape, mouth of an ape, and ape a pe- head. peaked ape head. It, uh, no, it no, was oh, it was absolutely so not. I remember never reading a comic that the man ape was in. I saw him in the official handbook of the Marvel universe, and even at, I think I was about fourteen or so when that came out. The original Hot Moon came out. And right. I went. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This is a character I can guarantee I will never use in a Marvel RPG. Uh, you know, it was wow. so terrible. But they, they so cr- visually, it just it it just wouldn't work today, right? No, it's, God, it's, it's, it's just it'd be it'd be a walking cartoon. It would be oh. a step back against everything that that we have seen oh, progress in Hollywood. I didn't see. I don't know oh, this. Just look look it up online tonight. I will. Yeah, and, oh. and and then oh, write in man. write into at graphic bring, podcast and let me know what you think, man. Bring your eye bleach. Seriously. <laughs> your brain bleach. <laughs> Cuz you're going to need to rinse your brain after that. Wow. I mean seriously, it's terrible, but when when they encounter uh, um uh the Jabari is the tribe that they called them. Yes. That's another thing. I love the fact that they use actual African language to describe it. They could have easily said, oh, the gorilla tribe of the mountains, you know, <laughs> which is something you would get out of like Indiana Jones or Alan Quartermain or something, you know, which, okay, I could probably stow my skepticism at that if they backed it up with the cool that we saw of the tribe, but it was the Jabari. They took, they took it to the next level and gave the tribe an actual name, yep. history, and tied everything together. And that they're, they're they, 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 and, and I mean this only in the best way, that they, they saw everything that's good in gorillas. Like, you know, when you see um, uh, Gorillas in the Mist or the, the Jane Goodall documentaries and things like that, you know, they, they took very subtle but gorilla-style movement of, like, pounding their chest or going, uh, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in very respectful ways as to show the power of this of this great beast especially yeah. when somebody talks out of turn uh-huh uh, so, uh, my social circle has uh adopted the idea somebody starts talking out of turn i'm gonna start making gorilla noises just to <laughs> shut them up like you know good point 
and I, and they kind of got a little out of turn when when um, later in the film when Ramonda uh, T'Challa's uh, mom, uh, when Ramonda and Shuri and Nakia uh, came to uh, the Jabari, and uh, something along or and then. You know, spoilers. Black Panther didn't die in his fight, first fight against Killmonger. Oh man! <laughs> and so Black Panther's like trying to enlist them, or and Martin Freeman's there. Black exactly. Panther isn't there yet, and uh, he goes, "They're like, come on, you need to help us. You know, fight back Killmonger." And he's like, "No, I I took a swing at the throne. I I'm the leader of the. I got my own people to worry about here." And it's like, "Come on, you have to do this, aren't you, Wakandan?" And he goes, "Listen to me." If you don't shut up, I'm basically going to throw you. Throw. <laughs> I'm going to feed you to my children, and, and everything just stops there for a second. And then Mbaku goes, "Just playing. I'm vegetarian. Just like That's gorillas. Right. How awesome is that?" You know. <laughs> so I was like, "Holy shit! That is the, one of the best lines." And I just totally ruined it. Um, but but the point that I'm making is is that Mbaku is a bit character in this movie. He's a bit character. He's there to help facilitate the return of, of T'Challa, and he was amazing in this. Agreed. This movie was was full of so many wonderful characters who were all ass kickers. I'm sorry. I, I, I think I've finally fallen off the Walking Dead bandwagon at this point. It took me a couple of years longer than most folks, I'll admit. But one of the people who keeps me coming back for more is Danai Guerrera and her playing General Okoye. Michonne, <laughs> who still kicks ass on that show. I'm going to miss her, but the others, not so much. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, as Okoye, mm-hmm. yeah. holy wow. The fight choreography of the Dora Milaje were amazing. And what was great, too, it wasn't, you know, when they do a lot of fight choreography now, it's so flashy. Like, that would never work when you fight. Like, that would have shot you and killed you right oh, now when you're, the, doing, when you're doing some weird... Not with her. Like, every movement had a purpose. Right. And all the quick camera cuts that they oh, use in great, modern action great. filmmaking. No. Ryan Coogler let that camera just soak up. And she the, would the fight spin and, and just, oh, it was awesome. And here's a special did you know, since we just left off M'Baku, mm-hmm. um, the mountain tribe, yeah. um, I could see that from the art design, they were based on the wrestlers. There's a huge, huge wrestling tradition really? in Africa. And part of what they do in order to get suited up is they cover themselves in ashes. Oh, so that wow. was one of my... Uh, uh, Goosebump moments watching, watching. I'm Mbaku. getting goosebumps right now <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, that watching, is... watching Mbaku walk toward the uh, uh, the duel on Hero Falls and seeing the back of his arm was all white. Like these dudes did their homework. He's a wrestler. Yeah. Oh my god. Because watch uh, uh, if you. You know what? I think I remember an Anthony Bourdain show. I want to say he was in either. I think it was in Nigeria or Kenya. Where they were doing that, I, I think I remember that. They, now. they will they will coat themselves in ash in order to get uh, slippery enough to gain an advantage. And when they're suited up in like, if it's fight day, all the fighters will be gathered in the fighters area, and they're all like head to toe, wow. white skin except for their eyes, which are shining shining black. Like yeah, it, absolutely oh, gripping image. Um, but. The costume was different for the Jabari tribe, but you could see that they did a little bit of homework Uh because Jabari's arm had that ash, which tells me that the art direction did their homework on the entire continent. Um, There, right now, uh, another podcast channel is hosting um, a Q and A after um, watching Black Panther with the costume designer Ruthie Lewis, right? Right. Who 
you know, has been on a lot of powerful film. I think she was the costume designer for Selma and for, um, oh, crap, I'm totally blanking on it. I think it was another Ava DuVernay joint or whatever. But, you know, but um, she's been involved in a lot of movies featuring um, African-American actors and whatnot. And I watched a, a quick bit on YouTube that she was remixing all of these different tribes, mm-hmm. you know, all these hidden tribes that I won't even try to remember the names of right now because it's just not ingrained in me at this right, point right, right. yet. But uh, one of the ones that I am familiar with are the Maasai. And she was talking about how the Maasai rings around the Dora Milaje. The, the Dora Milaje the, element, yes. And that she wanted to do metal, but that would have been too much for them to move in. So they were all made of, of painted rubber, <laughs> you know. But she was paying close attention about how in the Black Panther's costume that um, one of the most, sort of like in Scottish tradition, there's the tartan and the color of the crisscrossing 90-degree right. angles. In, in many African traditions, it's about the triangles that are interlocking and interwoven and how she put that triangle pattern all throughout uh, T'Challa's black costume. Yeah, caught that. Okay, and I'm like, wow, I am learning shit. I, I mean, I'm sitting here 48 years old, and uh, there's all this stuff that now is getting parts of my brain that I have not accessed in years just popping like this now from just a costume designer talking about the methodology of putting these marvelous, mind-blowing outfits together about how um, the uh, Ramonda's uh, uh, hat was based on, I think it was a Zulu um, uh, matron's wedding hat. Right. And she, how she had to 3D print that because there was no way they could make it in time. <laughs> wow. You know, just, I mean, that kind of attention to, to production design in detail is basically my long-form way of saying, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> but the triangle design was built into Okoye's uh, head. Yeah. 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 Like in, into tattoo. her tattoos, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But the 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 um, art design from Mbaku led me to the martial arts discussion. Yes, uh, they did as much homework on African martial arts as they did for the costumes. Right. So there wouldn't be any flashy kicks, and you know, Kugler, if he paid attention during Creed, he knows how to shoot an action shot. Yep. So all the stuff that uh, you noticed was omitted was because the martial arts doesn't have that because African martial arts are all about the strict takedown. Yep. I'm not going to show off. Nope. Watch this. But when it did get flashy, he went to things that were African derived, like capoeira was brought originally as slave dancing to, Oh, that that was um, used to cover the, the idea that it was a fighting style to the, to the, uh, uh, what is it? The Portuguese slavers in Brazil. We just dancing over here. (laughs) (laughs) Fellas. Seven o'clock tonight. That's it. That's it. But so there was a little bit of capoeira. So there's a little bit of appropriation going back and forth there. But I got the feeling from just my little, admittedly limited knowledge of African culture that they moved like Africans. They spoke like Africans. They looked like Africans. Yeah. You know that that they were, and it was just. And, and let's talk about this cast for a minute. Oh, real quick. Oh, real quick. To the idiot that was sitting to my right. Whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're listening, yeah. no, that is not Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> Please stop saying that throughout the movie. That was Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya. from Get Out. Yes. Who, who played T'Challa. Oh, my God. He was... Okay, I, I, I got to get... Okay, we've been jumping all over the place, but the <laughs> fuck that they, they, they've tamed rhinoceri. <laughs> yes. Tattooed them 
and put armored plates on them. I, I have Here a dead... Here comes the cavalry. Friend we <laughs> lost many years ago, or not that many years ago, Dave Phillips would have absolutely lost his shit the moment that the, that the rhinoceri cavalry showed up. I was losing my shit at that moment. That was the coolest thing I had seen on cinema in years. Wakanda, not just goats. Not just nope. goats. <laughs> We ride rhinoceros. <laughs> Who Not horses. I mean, that was bigger than a Lord of the Rings reveal with the Oliphants and everything. I was like, oh my God, this is this is another world. It helped that otherworldliness. But okay, I'm calmed down. I just I had to talk <laughs> right. about the armored rhinoceri. Um, but this cast, I mean, so I'm so good. Let's let's I just want to do a quick this is just a quick rundown from IMDB. Okay, so we got Chadwick Bozeman. And Chadwick Boseman, holy crap, this guy. I loved him in 42. Yes. Uh, he was so good in that. Um, I want to see Marshall. Um, there's there's other films I've seen him in, but I don't want to take all the time. Michael B. Jordan, I've already gushed on Michael B. Yeah. Jordan. Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, playing Nakia. Nakia, the love of his life that he had lost and maybe regained. Maybe we need a Black Panther 2 to see that. Oh, yeah. Uncle Walt's going to get his money. Uh, I'll, I'll give him money for that one. <laughs> Um, Dan talked a little bit about Danai Guerrera, who knows how to fight, and damn, did she fight with that spear? She was doing some some Jet Li level shit in that film with the spear fighting. uh, Talked a little bit. I love Martin Freeman. Um, He was to me one of the highlights of the Hobbit films. Um, But I love him in Sherlock and other things, Mm -hmm. and he's a great actor. Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, your favorite, your new crush, uh, Shuri, played by yeah. Letitia Wright. Winston Duke as M'Baku. Sterling Kane Brown as Njobu. Ramonda, played by Angela Bassett. Forrest Whitaker as Zuri. Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw. I mean, is it this, is, this is, this is I, I, I just have to say this out loud. And then a bunch of other actors that you will remember once you see their faces. I, I got to be respectful. And the Stan Lee cameo in the casino. Uh, let me hold on to this money for you, you know, as he did with all of his other creators. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> <Woo>! Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Much love to Stan. He's, he's run into a spate of bad luck recently, but. I'm sorry. It, it, Excelsior. It, there was a little meta there, I Truth thought. crushed to earth shall rise again. Hey, you say nothing personal. <laughs> That's right. I love you, Stan, <laughs> but bro. But, I mean, of a lead <laughs> cast, I mean, we're talking multiple heavy, Academy heavy, Award heavy winners. We're talking people who have, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, who's just been nominated for a Best Actor nomination for a horror film directed by Jordan Peele, which is now direct, is nominated for, for Best Picture, I mean, my mind is being blown by the level of talent. And that's, of course, I got to go back to Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler, this is the guy that blew the heads off Hollywood with Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Took my head clean off in in recognizing... I I really do credit Coogler with showing me that we are not... We had not progressed as far as we have as a nation. And I don't mean to bring it down too much, but... But it, Fruitvale Station and, and the entire story surrounding it was is because we live very close to that area. And I think, Damon, you originally come from that area. Yep, from the Bay. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, I'm giving myself goosebumps because I don't think, you know, short of, of, of some other comedies 
or Tyler Perry joints or things like that. You know, I hate to put it like this, but you haven't seen casts like this assembled before. Where before you put, like, for instance, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I don't make any bones about that. No. Star Wars is growing. Star Wars is finally taking steps after years and years and years of putting people in makeup rather than bringing in characters. Um, anyway, I, I can go down a whole whole different tangent with, with, <laughs> with, with my love-hate relationship with Star Wars sometimes, which seems more love than hate, but trust me, there's confusion there. But um, I loved Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One, but he wasn't there enough. I wanted more Saw Gerrera. Is, he, is this going to be a new thing like... Forrest Whitaker is going to be in a movie, and okay, he dies. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I, well, honestly, because I'm always like, no, I want more. I, want, I love Forrest Whitaker, no, but he's the 21st century Michael Bean. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Bean. <laughs> God damn, how I love Michael Bean in the 80s, man. <laughs> but that guy, he was like, that guy was like, what's his name? Uh, like Sean Bean, you know? I mean, he, Sean Bean doesn't get a good break. Oh, that's in a lot the of, one. That's the name. No, that's but Michael Bean, Bean is the American Sean Bean, really. When you think <laughs> wow. about it, but um. I honestly, I think this is the best cast assembled for a Marvel movie to date, and that's and that's. I want to say that I want to run that through a colorblind filter. If you look at the body of work of these actors from top to bottom, yeah, from top to bottom, I cannot think of a better assembly. Nothing but heavy hitters. Nothing. They pulled out all the stops, right? For this, and film. these are actors. You know, these are not, these aren't just action. I'm throwing punches. No, these are actors. These my, are. Critically acclaimed. Let's actors. say it out loud. Academy Award winner Chadwick Boseman. Academy Award nominee or nominee, or excuse me, nominee Boseman. Nominee Jordan. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o for Twelve Years yeah. a Slave. Danai Guerrero, whose movie career is just starting to take flight right now. Um, Daniel Kaluuya nominee. Um, <laughs> Sterling K. Brown uh, just won his Golden Globe. Another Golden Globe. Uh, Angela Bassett, what's love got to do with it? That's, I mean, oh yeah, I fell in love with her when she was starred with, with in that sci-fi joint, Strange Days, with uh, Ray Fiennes, where she played the chauffeur slash bodyguard. Yeah, everybody's credibility has been established. <sighs> yeah, Andy Serkis, who should be who should be nominated for a uh, for an Academy Award for Caesar for the last three Apes movies that he did. Um, and let's not forget Forrest Whitaker has only been on stage a couple of times as well. <laughs> yeah, he's got you a know, couple of movies. I, I, I know I just went through the cast again, but th- I mean, I mean, I love Captain America: The Winter Soldier. It was one of it's one of my favorite Marvel movies because I'm a big '70s conspiracy thriller fan, and it reminded me of like Three Days of the Condor meets right. superheroes. Right, right. And but I have to if we're just and I know it's it, it's it's a sour game to 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 compare apples and oranges. You know, I'm going to cast compare the cast of. Of, of Black Panther against the cast of Captain America, but I am just awed by the level of talent that's involved. J- the difference in proven versus unproven actors. I yeah. Mean, that, I don't think that's an apple and oranges comparison. Do you think that's they had fair, to do yeah. that because, I don't, I'm not trying to play the race card, but because this was going to be the first big black minority superhero movie. Well, let me play the race card and say absolutely. They had to pull out all the stops to offset the folks who would have something to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't just pull in any... Let's be honest. Okay? And and this is where I hope I at least prove some bona fides with, with understanding the struggle even in a small way. I don't have to work 
nearly as hard as somebody in a different skin tone than me has to work to get somewhere in life. Right. That's the lesson that I was taught at my parents' knee. Like, look, you got to be three times as good just to get a chance. So when, when it was time for the first all, you know, majority black, because again, Martin Freeman, Andy Serkis. <laughs> great, great meme. They're the Tolkien white guys. The token white guys. <laughs> Tolkien white guys. Tolkien. Joe Grenade. You Joe blew grenade. me up on that one, man. Joe Grenade. You got me. You got me. <laughs> that was good. That was a good one. Well, not my precious. Um, you know, so, but I mean, they had to, they had to overstack the deck. They had to stack the deck on this one because they, and, and that's the thing is that no one felt slighted. Like when you have a, a cast of leads like this, um, no one was lacking in work, in quality work. Every scene was that much better because of it, because there was a lot writing on this movie. I believe it had a budget of around 130, $135 million. Yeah. I mean, and that's not including marketing. That's not okay. inc- including, you know, so, I mean, it could easily have been north of 200. Can I, can I say something too? Yeah. Maybe people won't agree with me or they'll take this wrong way, but I'm glad there wasn't that token black comedian in the movie. I'm oh, s- God. Absolutely not. That would have been a deal killer. That would have confirmed that Disney was playing. Yeah. Kept me I, I don't need a guy like, hey, it's Black Panther. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Can That's I why I like much, this movie so much. I, it wasn't like that. I think Kevin Hart's funny. I like Kevin Hart. I haven't seen Jumanji 2 yet, but I like Kevin Hart. Chances are, if, if Kevin Hart's in it, you know, like that spy movie he did with Dwayne Johnson, right. I can't remember the essential intelligence. I thought it was a funny movie. It didn't do very well, but it was a funny movie. He would have been so far out of his league. Exactly. Against Florence Whitaker. What are you doing now? <laughs> what are you doing now? Yeah. You know, Fortunately, they you know? chose to tell a different style yes. of story. And yes. I say God bless it because, yeah. And there was still comedy in it. That's the great. There was you don't funny. need to go down that path Just have all to the time. have good actors. Just have to have good actors doing good and work. And good writing. Oh, speaking of which, um, the accents. Martin mm-hmm. Freeman. Yeah. British to the core. Yeah. I couldn't stop listening to his American accent and say, my God. He was a hard, you could tell he was like an Air Force Academy grad or a Harvard grad. Down to the region. And get this, I've got folks in my circle who hail from the motherland. Okay. Who were saying that um, they could hear their families in the distinct voices of particular characters. Wow. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, his accent is clearly, clearly South African. In his delivery, you can hear Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's easy that he drew a the way he from rap- his, his script to Nelson Mandela's voice. But uh, Wakabi speaks differently than Chadwick. Yeah. Njabu speaks differently than yep. both of them. Yep. And the dialect coach... Uh, do, in my off time, I'm uh, breaking into the voiceover field. Yes, you are. And I want to find out who did the accents for that movie because they were absolutely amazing. Every single person was flawless. Amazing work yeah, on, the, I, on I mean, the accents. To the, de- the detail, paid attention to get to that level. Amazing. Yeah, very To hear impressive. Chadwick Boseman interviewed, he's like anybody else from right. the United States. He's a yank. He's a yank. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like this, blah, blah, blah. He's Jackie no, Robinson. But how he's able to rasp his voice with the, you know what I mean? And then, and then the, 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 the pacing of his voice. Right, the so cadence. The, the deli- cadence. Everything go. he said was delicious. 
deliberately chosen. Like there were so many deliberate choices he made in in how to deliver a line, where it was like, wow. I know? always I when I hear him speak, to me it sounds like a king leading an army. It's a constant pace that he has. Strong, doesn't need to say a lot, yep. but he's driving the point home every time and it's like you could they sound like uh, soldiers marching that's what like a king right he sounds right amazing and andy circus playing a scumbag south oh, that south was so African. good you know you think you know anything about the tender you know just the dripping uh, animosity greasy. he was greasy. greasy oh my god <laughs> i made the dream yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just god the talent of this film and, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know, you know, I know Ruthie Lewis doing the costumes, but the production design was amazing. The visual effects, um, yeah, there was like explosions and zappy bolts and things like that. But um, special effects artists are now doing so much work in creating backgrounds and digital sets. And they did so much digital set work. Again, I go back to Warrior Falls. There's no, there's no waterfall on Earth where human beings can stand there and cheer a fight between two people up you know, 10 stories of waterfall. There's right. no, there's no place you can do that. So that all, that all had to be done against blue screen, which is also interesting because, because of the, the, the tribe, I can't remember what was it? The Fox tribe, uh, the one in all green. Oh yes. Normally they do green screen, but they had to do blue screen because the amount of greens that Lewis did for this film right? for costumes. I mean, just that kind of sense of detail was like, dude, <laughs> So, uh, God, um, I, I just want to wrap up. I mean, I, I, God, we could probably gush about this movie for another hour. Probably. Good. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, you know, if our, our regular listeners understand, we don't really follow the, the, the story. We just have a conversation about the film. We could tell you the opening and what we thought about it, the middle, what we thought about it, and the end of what we thought about it. We have respect for you, the listeners that you've already gone out and seen Black Panther by, by the point this podcast drops, that we can just bounce all over the place and just talk about what was so fucking cool about it. <laughs> but um, I, I want to wrap this section with any final thoughts you had about the stuff that you loved about this film. Manny? I've said it before, <laughs> and I, I'll say it again. Marvel delivers again, and me as a you know true blue... DC yep. fan, it's it's so heartbreaking because I love the most iconic character of all time, right? Yep. And they can't deliver what Marvel can deliver to these characters that a lot of people didn't even know about until the Marvel Universe hit the big screen. And they knock it out of the park every time. And now they're including people that look more like me, people that don't get represented a lot, and they nailed it. And it's just amazing. Hey, you got Aquaman later this year. Yeah, I like Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do too. But no, I mean... But I, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. amazing. And it's just... It tells you what a well-oiled machine Marvel Studios is. And, and, it, and it just... It didn't matter that it changed hands. It's still moving. It's still progressing. Yep. And, 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 and I'll say this, hit. Manny. Look, DC... You, uh, and you know me, I'm a true blue Teen Titans fan from back in the day, okay? So I know what pain is, okay? <laughs> I know what pain is. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you that, and I'm not telling you, you, Manny, but I'm telling DC fans, 
look, it's okay to want DC to emulate Marvel at this point because they, you know, or at least to just find out what is it that makes DC or what, what has made the Marvel film, the Marvel film that I don't want them to make Marvel movies. I want them to make DC movies because there is a different skein to a DC character from a Marvel character. They need to find the magic formula and they've got some, they've made some changes at the studio level to help facilitate that. So there's hope for you in the future. And and Wonder Woman proved that there could be hope. Yep. Sure did. And Damon, let's wrap up your, your positive thoughts on this film. Absolutely. Um, this was more about the women. The old school comic heads like ourselves, they've got our money. In the master plan, they're looking to get new money. Mm-hmm. To include the ladies breaks open the game wide. That's what my wife said. And yeah. they did so in a way that does not offend, does not change the story, and brings everybody to the table. Um, the old guard, they're going to get our money. Yeah. Yeah. In the master plan, they need to bring in the new money. What they need, what they did was they brought in the ladies, and they did it in a way that brings everybody to the table, does not detract from the story, it does not detract from the character. It was masterful. Yeah, yeah I, they, I'm a Dora Milaje fan. Oh man, to the very end now. I want a Dora Milaje movie now. <laughs> I want something. Yeah. Oh I, my gosh. Um, I think one of the things that I enjoyed about the, this movie was is that, yes, I think this is an achievement for black actors and cinema, black directors and creatives uh, working in uh, working in the in in under fire and hostile territory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's let's call it out. It is. And this is not a, a purely black film. This is a film. What are purely black films? We can go on a whole row again you know and look you know there's a market for tyler perry movies there's a market and just as much as there's a market market for for highly independent spike lee movies just as there's movies for jordan you know a market for jordan peele and 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 john singleton that we talked about and all these other great creatives that are working in the industry right now but they all got to team up on this film and make this film but and so I'm with you on that one. This is this is a step forward, and I guess from my perspective as a guy who's more of the traditional fat white guy superhero comic book fan, is that this didn't feel preachy. No, this not did not feel like an achievement in American motion pictures. You know, this is not. There was no Cicely Tyson. You know, this is just you know, a good movie. This was just a damn fun movie. This is. This, yes, it had Black Panther has elements of Batman. It has elements yeah. of Iron Man. It has elements of James Bond in this yes. film, in the secret oh, South Korean that was casino. So cool. I mean, I'm sorry. This had elements of the Fast and the Furious in that car chase. This had elements from, and they were well wearing their, their, their influencers on their sleeves that they love everything that came before. And they incorporated it into this mosaic that was Black Panther, and it was just pure art. Uh, maybe I should save that for my closing thoughts, but I mean, I just love the fact that this is just a straight-up badass superhero movie. Unapologetically so. Unapologetically yeah. a superhero movie that just happened to feature character or cast of characters of different shade than what you normally get from, from the Walt Disney Company. Change is good. Change is it's great. Needed. 
change is great. Now, I'm going to use that as a segue. If there were things that you could change about this film, because nothing in life is perfect, nothing, nothing human beings put their touch to can be perfect. It is just the nature of the species. <laughs> we, we have to fuck up somehow. <laughs> Was there anything about this film that you, if, if you had a chance to, to be on set and say, hey, Ryan, come over here, man. I just need you to do this. Just tweak the scene just a little differently or tweak this characterization just a little differently or whatever, or talk to the VFX artists or whatever. What would that be and why? Got a handful. Okay. In trying to appeal to the broader demographic, mm-hmm. um, the casting choices made have gone on what I would call a slender figure. When I picture superheroes, I picture uh, for Captain America, uh, Randy Couture, the old UFC fighter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thick in the neck, yeah. grizzled. That's the physical type that I picture. Chris Evans has done an adequate job. <laughs> but the suits that made the choices, um, they went for a slender look, my guess is, to appeal to the shapely behinds in the seats. Okay. Okay. And that's the trend. Okay. That is a trend that I would change, which means that I would have gone a different way than Bozeman, despite his abilities, which are considerable. Oh, yeah. I mean, he killed it. Yeah. Just going for the look, I would have gone for a burlier, more hyper-masculine figure, for, especially for Black Panther. Yeah. Um, Michael Jai White, who has oh, been the perennial yeah. front runner in fan oh, casting sessions. I, I would have gone God. something like that. If they would have done a Black Panther movie in the 90s when Priest was on a seminal comic book run of Black Panther, Michael Jai White, uh, yep. he, he would <laughs> yep, that version of T'Challa. This is definitely the Todd Nahisi Coates version <laughs> of, of T'Challa. And because change is good, right. you learn, you grow, I must accept yeah. what is being offered. Like, okay. We're gonna we're gonna meet you halfway, Uncle Walt. All right, I see. But you. I see you coming on um, that one. Also, in Bozeman's choice for accent, I hear so much Nelson Mandela, um, the reedy strength and resolve that led Mandela to do his twenty-seven year stint, um, and that's a different kind of power than I picture. T'Challa in my imagination. I would have gone with something deeper in the chest and resonant. Difference in style choice. Yeah. I'm satisfied with what was offered. I see it differently. Fair enough. Um, that and the special effects were a little light on the gravity. It, Just, <laughs> it was a little bouncy, but it was a bouncy type situation in order to pay tribute to the Fast and the Furious right. type right. action. So, okay, I would have done it different, but I see you. I give it credit. But so, in this universe, you could actually take a car and run it from the top of one skyscraper into another <laughs> skyscraper, right? <laughs> in this universe, that would yeah, work, we'll, right? We'll, yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get the matrix and dial the gravity down to three and action. Yes. The, but those quibbles are so, so, so minor. Uh, moving. Totally satisfied, but to pick out things that I would change, yeah, I would have done differently if I ruled the world. Yeah, that'd be it. Okay, fair enough, Manny. I have okay. I like the movie, but when he's thrown off the waterfall to his supposed death, and then they find him. Which, so, I mean, I, which I, was really kind of it was 
a very quick ending to the second act, I thought. That's what I was saying. Yeah. The, the timing of the first two acts, I liked it. They could have made this a four-hour movie. I was so into everything about this movie. So I liked that timing they had. And then they realized, oh, we have a movie that we have to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Here he is on ice, guys. And you figured, and you already knew he was going to be helped by, you know, the ape, ape tribe. The, what are they? The, uh, the, the Jabari. 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 So I got that, but I would have liked to see more of a respect between him and and that tribe after saving his life. Yeah, I would have liked to seen that more, or just slowed it down a little to see him come back and see how he deals with the inner struggle more than just seeing the visions of his of the of his father. Right. Um, just that timing, I didn't like. Okay. That was that was my main issue with the movie. I just didn't like the pacing at the end of the second act. Okay. It, other than that, I mean, I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't. I mean, I I own Suicide Squad, so I cannot complain. Oh, about dude. This movie. I mean, you. Ooh. Uh, so do you get what I'm saying? I mean, just, Damon, you look so like you good. ate a bad prune there, bro. Um, <laughs> wait, a sec- wait a second. I had a. I just had a logic cramp. Okay. Um. Warrior Falls, he got thrown down the cliff into the river. Uh-huh. The Jabari found him down river. Right. The Jabari are a mountain tribe. They said yeah. a fisherman found him. Very good okay. point. That they send fishermen down there, but it was real quick. Okay. Okay. It was real quick. Yeah. The, yeah, no, wait, it but, was quick. <laughs> okay, logic cramp explained. Cool. I'm with it. <laughs> but I, I could have done with about two minutes of cinematography to show that fisherman find and the, see the him bot. floating down a river. I mean, I know it's so overused in Hollywood, but I kind of needed well, that. Well, it's straight out of Joseph Campbell. You know, once you go into the water, you're going to emerge better, right? You know, right. That's, that's, or that's I would have liked the tradition. Faces. Or I would have liked to see him like, I know what I have to do and, and, yeah. and you know, come back. Jonah and the whale. You know, exactly. it, it's very much like that. Um, so I, I'm totally with you there. I'll tell you what, and and I feel like this movie is an achievement in so many different ways. It almost I understand why Marvel waited for Black History Month to put this film out. Oh, yeah. Another tactical choice. Another tactical choice on on Uncle Walt's on Uncle Walt's company. But I would have almost preferred to wait for an October or November release for this one, just to get more Academy Award hype for the people who worked on this film. Superhero films have been shunned at the at at at, at the Academy Awards, and we're yep. coming up on the Academy Awards in a couple of weeks here as we record this. Um, Wonder Woman was, I, in my opinion, was completely snubbed um, on some what I would think would be some of the more in line awards for things like you know visual effects, costuming, production design, the stuff that superhero and sci fi movies get. Um, Logan, which I thought was an acting achievement on Hugh, on Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart's part last year, um, was only uh, nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. So I one of the, one of my complaints is is a strategic complaint on the part of Walt Disney. This movie is so good and is so different from the staple of films that we have seen, but still able to deliver on the hundred million plus budget that it was filmed on that I would have loved to to maybe take a chance in slating this film later in the year so it would be remembered come time for Oscar ballads. And maybe it still will. I mean, Logan's still still got a couple. Still likely. Still likely. 
But I mean, that's part of it because I think this movie could have made even more money. I mean, that's just me. But then again, I've had absolutely nothing to do with movie marketing in my career. So what the hell do I know, right? Um, but that's just me as a fan of, of shows like the Academy Awards and seeing movies that don't normally get their due, get their due, sort of like Moonlight did last year um, when everybody thought La La Land was a lock. And La La Land was a great musical and all. Was it the best movie that year? No, Moonlight was. So that's just a little bit of criticism from Uncle Jimmers over here. Um, (laughs) You leave my Emma Stone alone. (laughs) (laughs) I love Emma Stone. She can't play half Chinese. Anyway, shots fired. So... um, (laughs) And even she said that later. Um, I guess the only thing about the movie itself that I can have a complaint about, and it's not much of a complaint, is I got a lot of Eric Killmonger in the second and third acts of this film. I would have maybe appreciated just a few more minutes of Michael B. Jordan setting up in the, in the or getting some understanding of his character and not have it be told to me by Martin Freeman. I would have Mm -hmm. liked to have seen Eric Killmonger as one of these um, black ops kind of guys that, you know, we're, you know, we know these guys, these units exist, you know, SEAL Team Development Group, a.k.a. SEAL Team 6, Delta Force, CIA Special Operations Group, all these different teams, right? I would have loved to have just seen a, a couple of minutes of him door kicking in Afghanistan, Iraq, or Somalia, or one of these places, just to get a sense of the foundation of this character. Just how killmongery is. Yeah. Is he? Good or, point. Show me, or, show me. or maybe instead of just being told about Eric Killmonger by Martin Freeman, them actually layering a montage, which Marvel has done in other films that I can think of, of Michael B. Jordan in action, just to really get the scope of ability that this guy come of before he drank of the heart shape or shaped herb. Right. You know, he was already arguably one of the best fighters in the world. And if, and have you guys watched the Punisher series on Netflix? Yes. Okay. Where imagine the Punisher getting fed the heart shaped herb, <laughs> like, right. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. And, and, and God damn, you know, and I, and, and now I'm going back into something that I loved is that, yeah, um, spoiler, he died at the end of the movie. But, you know, and, and, and I'll, I got you, man. <laughs> you, you go right next. But, but his, his passing of, of making the decision to pass on his terms, that that, was, that's something you that don't see. Like mm-hmm. That was going like a boss. That's something you don't see in Marvel films. It's like, yeah, you could probably save me with all your Wakandan magic technology and everything, but... Nah, not I'm in, good. Not in a world that I don't want to know. If this I, world, nah, I'm good. I had my fight. I lost it. See ya. And I mean, like a champ, you know. So I, it looked like I, I stopped you from. Oh saying no, 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 not at all. Yeah. Uh, um, has there been a villain this strong in the Marvel movies so far? Because right now, as far as big bads go in the Marvel movies. Killmonger is tops. He as really far is a well, villain with nuance. Yeah, and a match for the hero, and and the fact that he is a villain of their own creation to the point where even the king doubts, starts to doubt himself, and doubt. Like, they're well, they're this dude is right. <laughs> he's yeah, essentially he's, right. You know, just like I mean, in it's the heavy older, stuff. I, it's weird to say this. Just like in the older X Men films, how there are points of. 
you go to Magneto and go, hmm, Magneto's you know, kind of got, right. a, got point. a point. <laughs> He's got a point. We've so, been taking it on the chin as a species now since mm, forever. So <laughs> I think you, I think you bring up a good point. I'm, tr- I'm going back through the Marvel universe, and I really don't think there's one there's, with. I would argue. I'll tell you what. I, I think he is definitely the top dog. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think he is definitely the number one villain that we've seen to date. Now, granted, we have uh, Infinity War and Ant-Man the Wasp. Whatever villain they're going to show in that. I love me some Ant-Man. Ant-Man was great. I mean, but it's also not Black Panther, let's be honest. Not going to be on that scale. No, no, no. I mean, he's a much smaller character. Joke grenade. Joke grenade. Dud. Anyway. But I would say that to me, a close number two, and he was much maligned at the time, but I think that history will see Daniel Brühl's performance as Zemo in Captain America Civil War much kinder than the critics at the time saw it. Um, he was definitely not your typical Marvel villain. He was a, a master manipulator. Again, another badass special forces type operator, um, but he used his intellect to defeat the heroes or to come close to fully defeating the heroes. Yeah. Um, I And he's still alive. We might see him again sometime. Locked up in the vault. Locked yep. up in the vault right next to Hawkeye, I bet. That poor bastard. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I would say that, that Daniel Brule is a, is, a, is a number two, but really Michael B. Jordan delivered the to Marvel a performance that is worthy of the films that they have find, that they have been crafting up until this point. The villains just don't match up. Now, I'll be honest, seeing the trailers for Infinity War, taking Iron Man out with one punch, I think Thanos is gonna is gonna change a lot of minds. Um, Thanos is the big bad of the Marvel of the entirety of the Marvel universe. Um, but that story is yet to be told. So I say to date. Michael B. Jordan, he delivered it, and definitely the, one of the most emotional villains. Yeah. On top of the intellect and the physicality of the character, that this was a character who felt wronged in his life. Oh, when he's holding his dad, when he finds his dad, when the kid finds oh. his dad. Flashback, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. yeah, dude, I, I, that's what I'm saying. There was. And maybe we feel that way because we got to see so much of what goes on inside him yep. and what formed him. And and the, you see that kid, you know, you see a... I didn't see a black kid in this, you know, living in the projects, looking up and knowing his dad was there when he takes off running. I just saw a kid realize that he just lost everything in his life. Yep. And it hit home. And it was yeah. so good. Yep. Playing on the universality. Yep. Of yeah. The, that the we're experience. all we're all human and... and, and we all have people we love, and we can lose them in an instant. And it's just, it. That's, I think that's what really drove home that character. And props to that young actor for delivering oh, that man. very short performance. And then when he when he gets the, uh, the heart shaped herb, heart, yeah, the heart shaped herb, and he, it's, they show him as a young boy talking to his father. I mean, that stuff was hitting home. Holy crap! God. And then they then they bring then they just drop Michael B. Jordan halfway through I, that conversation. That, and and Michael B. Jordan getting to play with Sterling K. Brown because oh, God. I I've done some acting you know locally and whatnot and when when you as an actor have a chance to sit and work with another actor who's worth their their got weight the chops. who's got the chops 
And to see that interplay, you could tell that Michael B. Jordan, Sterling K. Brown, man, they were just the interplay. Sparks in the room. It was going uh. in. And I want to see those two in another project together because I want to see them as in a buddy cop comedy. I don't care. I want to see something. <laughs> um, but but holy God, yeah. I mean, we we you know, so our gripes are I think all well founded, but at the same point. If this is all we have <laughs> to bitch about, I think we got ourselves a winner of a small film. Potato, small like you said, they did their go. homework. Right. They did their homework. Okay, so I think it's time. I think it's time to, to grade this film in the graphic content podcast tradition. And I'm going to go with our returning guest, Manny, first. Manny, one to five heart-shaped herbs. How many do you give it? Honestly, Guardians of the Galaxy was my favorite Marvel movie. This just knocked it down. I this I'm going to give this one four point five. Four point five. I mean, I just I I I hadn't seen anything like this on the superhero spectrum. And you know what, Guardians of the Galaxy today has been the most different Marvel movie that they've made. I mean, the original one. The second one was fun. It was good, but it wasn't the first Guardians of the Galaxy. No, this it just it just hit on so many levels, and it was. I don't know, man. It was just, <laughs> there's so much going on, and like, and we all said it wasn't preachy, it wasn't flashy, it was just a movie doing what it was supposed to do. And with everything going on this past week, it was nice to skate for a couple hours in a movie theater and watch just a really good movie about someone trying to do good in the world. Yep, yep. Damon, welcome to your first one to five casting for this. What say you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rabbi of orthodoxy. Yes, sir. Uh, perfection is unattainable. 4.5 heart-shaped herbs. Yeah. 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 Knocked it out of the park. Yep. And and I'm I'm just going to echo you rabbi Shalom on 4.5 like <laughs> I am. Um it, it, this is a movie that's a 4.5. I was really weighing a 4.75 for a second. Um but I think that we have to look at these big budget motion pictures and say that they can't be perfect. They just can't be because there's they don't... There's too much ground to cover. There's too much ground to cover and there's too many hands in the pot and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And God knows, Ryan Coogler is the captain of this ship from all the behind-the-scenes talent from the VFX people to the production design to the costume design to the, to the dialect coach, as you mentioned earlier. You name it. The behind-the-scenes crew were aligned with the people standing in front of the cameras. And I have never seen... Uh, a movie of this scale, and I'm a Star Wars fan, <laughs> so I want you to think about this for a second. I was in, my ass was in the seats in 1977 as an eight-year-old, okay? And not since that original Star Wars movie have I seen a movie where the front of the camera and the back of the camera were so well in unison. That's why I'm going 4.5. This movie's got DC fans up in arms got the Star Wars fans up in arms. This yep. is absolute triumph. It's a game changer. <laughs> and, and this movie will be dissected by, by um, film critics, by historians, by, by people who want to make good blockbuster motion pictures going forward. Yes. And, 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 and there's critics out there about it not being diverse enough. And I shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, know, you said it, not I. That's right. <laughs> you know what? I, I was telling my wife this. I said, you know, one of my favorite movies growing up, one of my favorite comedies, I probably should have watched it at such a age, was Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Because I, I still crack up. I almost cry how much I laugh. And I've seen this movie. That, 
I never once saw it as a black movie. I just saw it as a comedy. Yeah. I don't care about who's in it or what's in it. The movie was good, and that's that's all that matters. And you know, all all these critics just can shut up. You know, I'm so over the critic thing and the Rotten Tomatoes things. If it's good, it's good. If you like it, better. Well, I think the Rotten Tomatoes thing, uh, you know. God bless Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, they, they've taken it on the chin a couple of times this year uh, and last year. Um, Do we know what the rating is for this movie, Rotten Tomatoes? I want to say it's it's a 97%, and that's because of Russian bot attacks, I think. Uh, <laughs> I truly believe that this could be a 99%. Like, oh, like I think so, one. too. But I, th- I want to say it's 96 or 97%. Last I saw it was 97. 97. Okay. So, you know, the aggregate score from the critics are great. Um, to all of the Trump supporters out there who have tried to torpedo this film, um, let me be honest. Props to Facebook for nuking your little hate group that you formed online. Yes. And I hope that they do it again. Um, I, uh, I saw the IMDb aggregate score of 6.7. And... That is official. IMDb is now dead for anything other than a Wikipedia for who did work on a movie or not. Um, its ability to serve as a ratings aggregator is completely no. compromised. Completely compromised with the 6.7. Um, I am telling you. It, yeah. This is so good. I mean, Superman the movie is my favorite comic book movie of all time. Is, is the most now, comic booky comic book movie of all time. This is, no, this is number two only because Superman is my favorite character. Fair. Other than that... There, and I said it. Hey, I'll say again. That's the ultimate immigrant story right there, that you have so, to be shot across space to get away from, from how bad your planet was. So Krypton, shithole planet, sad. <laughs> <laughs> Glo- they needed global warming. Yeah. It was a bunch of ice. Ice. <laughs> it looked all icy. It was just hot on the inside. They didn't know how to manage it. Sad. <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, these guys who were attacking this movie had no clue what this movie was about or what it contained or what it represents. And like, I'm telling you, the dinosaur is giving its last roar. Right. And it's going to be loud. Yeah. We just got to get through it. Yep. And, and we're going to make it. Just like a three-year-old who is fighting that nap, I agree with you. It's and I have one. <laughs> it's going to be a flashpoint before the bliss where America keeps it's promised to all its children. Yep. Like in the dark night, it's always darkest just before the dawn. That's right. And we just need to, you know, people like us, you know, we're almost like a bad bar joke. You know, a white guy, a black dude, and a Mexican walk into a bar. Um, you know, but you know what? I mean, it's it's people like us standing together shoulder to shoulder and arm in arm. And there that's is- going to get us through all this time. It- I, and I don't think that's being too... You know, bleeding heart liberal to 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 wish for. I think I'm that, a registered Republican. That's not. That's just being a human being, right? Well, which all forgot. Yep. Um, I do want to give a shout out to some some recommendations for people because I think that you know I want to get away from the topic of the Republican Party for a minute. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> but I also want to shout out where Black Panther came from, and that was the mind. Of Stanley and Jack Kirby. The king. The king. I will never stop praising him. And if you want to see something hilarious, look at Jack Kirby's first pass on the Black Panther costume, oh. which was very not black. Make sure you bring your eye bleach. <laughs> your eye bleach. <laughs> I mean, I am so glad that they that they worked it out. To God bless Jack Kirby. Oh, my God. But And you get. Why he was, he, you know, it was just Jack Kirby being Jack Kirby. He needs to have yellow on his costume because I'm Jack Kirby. Um, 
But but Jack Kirby came up with the final look for him, and don't discount Jack Kirby's seventies work for Marvel in Marvel Jungle Action, one of the worst titled Marvel comics of all time. But the stuff that came in this movie directly honored some of the creations that Jack wrote and drew in that Black Panther comic book. Again, the homework level that these guys did in the art uh, art direction, set mm-hmm. direction. Yep. It all ties in. They just needed the psychedelic frog statue to make it complete. <laughs> I mean, you, do do a wiki search on that. They, you, even, they you, even got the Kirby crackle in the representation of vibranium. Man, did they did? <laughs> Holy yep. crap! And here I was thinking it was only Thor Ragnarok that got the Kirby <laughs> crackle. Um, but I, I want to give a shout out to two comic book creators that need a shout out first. Um, he is the guy that that made Black Panther cool again. After Stan and Jack, Black Panther to me was always cool. Um, I really liked the Black Panther miniseries that Dennis Cohen did in the early '90s, but it wasn't until a permanent series written by a guy who was then known as Christopher Priest, the former Jim Owsley, who is now just under the name of Priest, who's doing a kick-ass job on Justice League right now and Deathstroke: The Terminator uh, for DC. Um, Christopher Priest wrote the Black Panther series. Um, in the 1990s, and I believe they're collecting all of those into several super trades. I want—I don't want to call them omnibuses because it's not like a hundred dollars, but these giant forty-dollar trade paperback collections. Um, you need to get this. It's Black Panther, um, both in Wakanda as well as uh, in, working in the United States when he went undercover in Harlem for a while because, you know, some Marvel editor said, we need a black guy in Harlem doing superhero stuff. Yeah, that's it. So let's do Coming to America. The white kids love it. But not funny and do it in Harlem with Black Panther and Priest made it work. That's how good Priest is as a writer. That dude, there's some rumors of him going back to work at Marvel for something. And if he's going back to Black Panther or whatever, awesome. But... But shout out to Christopher Priest, as well as the guys, I believe uh, Mark Texera was one of the first uh, artists on that comic, and a host of other illustrators worked during his run on on Panther back in the, in the 90s. Agreed. The biggest folks, um, the biggest Black Panther fans in my circle point to Priest's run as, hands down, the high point yep. of the character. That's where we learn the most about, that's where the foundation of the world building of Wakanda was made, I think. Um, they didn't show it enough, again, I think because of Marvel editorial. Time constraints. Yeah. Time constraints. You only got 22 pages to tell a story. So, um, but we got an understanding, you know, that's where the Dora Milaje were first introduced. That's where a lot of things, uh, Black Panther's sister was created by Priest. Um, it, just so many things came, that from this movie came from the Priest run that, Wow, this guy deserves a shout out. So, and that that he is working in comics again after taking so many years off. I'm ready. I want more. <laughs> and again, if you're a DC fan, read the current run of Justice League. It, he's doing it with Pete Woods, who used to be on Superman back in the uh-huh. day. Manny Priest and 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 uh, Pete Woods makes an excellent creator combination on a title like Justice League. Um, the second one and. I would be accused of podcast malpractice if I did not mention this one. And that is um, the the Booker Prize award-winning Ta-Nehisi Coates 
um, one of the greatest commentators on culture in America today. Uh, just read his work in The Atlantic Monthly. Um, this is a guy who is as real of a writer as you will ever meet. He is right up there with any of the great writers working today in the field of cultural criticism as well as cultural examination. But he's also a fanboy. This guy loves him some Black Panther, and I love him loving Black Panther. And uh, he got to, he got together with help me remember it, the illustrator is Stelfries. Ste- Brian Stelfries. God, I was I was going to say Larry Stroman for a second, <laughs> and that's going back a few years. But uh, him and Brian Stelfries came back with the Black Panther series year before last. And uh, especially the first trade, The Nation Under Our Feet, is the name of that trade, um, which really gets into the Afrofuturism of the, of the world of, of the Wakandan capital city, the outer tribes, the, the techno jungles that Kirby created. Why did they decide to cable a rainforest? You find out in this series. Broadband for everybody. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's you know, there is no digital. They solve the future. They solve the future. Um, but but Stelfries and 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 Coates, um, you will see this movie almost move on the comic page. That's how good Stelfries is in uh, uh, Art is in this book, so I, I just wanted to call those out. Do you guys have any Black Panther recommendations offhand, or did I hit the two big ones already? Um, those are big. Um, yeah. Again, I am a fledgling Black Panther fan. Okay. And folks in my circle are curious as to the direction in the uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates run. Mm-hmm. Got they're doing the RCA dog on some of the story yeah. elements. Um, but as far as folks who want to get deeper into the character, um, for a holistic introduction to the character, I don't think it gets any better than Reginald Hudlin's run, yes. um, who is Black Panther. Um, it's available in hard copy. Yep. And mm, if you have access to some of the shadier sections of the internet, <laughs> uh, you can catch the motion comic at a cost of free ninety nine. Art by John Romita Jr. Romita Jr. JRJR. That was uh, one of the last times I think I liked John Romita Jr. <laughs> art. To be, I'm sorry to be just plain honest. Yeah, this is a it recurring was trend, and I I do not like him anymore. So <laughs> learn to draw. No again, good sir. catch, man. Reginald Hudlin. But this has the orthodox version that I was expecting the deep, what I would picture as the deep voiced uh, d- don't mess with me and don't try representation of the Black Panther. Yeah. Um, the way he jammed up the United Nations delegation. Yeah. Oh, so epic. And that, yes. As well as the thinly veiled references to the George W. Bush administration. Yes. yes. There is what was, that. What was her name? <laughs> Dondi, uh, Dondi Bi- Bryce. Oh, Dondi Bice. Yes. Bi- Dondi Bryce, I think. <laughs> uh, it was, but I mean, there was some political satire in that book. Absolutely. There was some great action in that book, and there was some history in that book. In the very first pages, where a young, freshly minted Captain America in 1940 travels to Wakanda to try to get more vibranium, and T'Chaka slapped the fuck up. That's right. <laughs> T'Chaka said, "Get out." <laughs> oh, we yes. haven't been, and that's where the idea of Wakanda being the only African nation to never be colonized by the white man was was first dropped in, if I remember correctly. 
Right, right. There you go. What about you, Manny? I'm all new to this. DC yeah. fan. DC fan. <laughs> I'm soaking it all in. You know what? Honestly. I would definitely read, definitely, I, you know, Reginald Hudlin's stories with J.R.J.R., J.R., um, Ta-Nehisi Coates and Brian Stelfreeze, Priest and, and his host of, of, of part, artistic partners on that. Um, I would also recommend the motion comic who is directed by John Schnepp, who is the guy who did the Superman um, documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Yeah. He was the director of the motion Whoa. comic for that. So you will really like that. Um, God, there's just so much to get nerdy with the Black Panther. <laughs> And then also all the all the great Avengers runs that that the Black Panther has been part of as well. I mean, going back, especially, I want to say it was when Roy Thomas took over from Stan Lee and John Buscema's when uh, the Vision first showed up is when Black Panther joined the Avengers, and there was some great action in Wakanda there as well. Um, it's just so much great comic book reading. Um, I'm not a big fan of the current Marvel Avengers cartoon, but the previous iteration, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, right. had Black Panther pretty much from the beginning. Seek out that animated joint. Mm. I think you'll be glad you did. So anything else, folks? Glad to be here. Enjoyed oh. the movie. Um, this is to the people that were at the theater and are joining us in the spoilerificness. Yeah, you know you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> you know you enjoyed it. Glad to have you along, and thank you for uh, inviting me down to well, chop it up man, with you. Thank you so much. It's been Far too long since the old Mission Command days. And uh, do me a favor, come back into the high-tech graphic content studio real Absolutely. soon. Love having your golden <laughs> dulcet tones on my microphones there. Yeah, we're having a little reunion here. We all know each other from a while back. So way, it's really way, way, way back. back. Uh, so, we so like, we all good. might have worked at a certain floundering <laughs> bookstore chain right now. Um, <coughs> um Man, we should, we were we were all in the trenches together back then. Deep, we're, deep in the trenches. Yes, absolutely. we were. Yes, I we got were. the trench foot in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been good. And, yeah. and uh, Manny, thanks hey. for having me on again. Oh. And 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 I'm glad I got to be on because I'm new to the Black Panther. I'm like so many other people mm-hmm. probably are. Yeah. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of kids, which is so cool. They got toys out. Yeah. And I see little a white kids line. wanting to be Black Panther. How badass is that? Okay? That just means nothing's the same anymore. This that, is so cool. This this is a shift. This is this is one of those ripples that Damon talks about. And uh I think one of the female actors even said what's also great about this movie is there's gonna be black dolls. Yeah. And I said, Yeah. Yeah. Well, there will be much, much easier access to black dolls. Good point. Which me and my <laughs> wife were talking about. She was growing up that she didn't have a black Barbie because she couldn't get one. Yeah. I have black friends, but I don't have a black Barbie. R.I.P. Chrissy. Yep. Oh, that was her name, wasn't (laughs) it? Chrissy. Honey, if you're listening, we figured it out. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Thank you. Damon, I forgot to ask, where can the kids online find you? Where's your internet presence at? Gotcha there. Um, Actually, let me dap up the uh, number one black nerd group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, Comic Nerds of Color. Um, Ooh. A ragtag band of surly, surly folks with the deep magic. Uh, it's a corner where um, all are welcome because white is a color. Yes. But it is a corner of the internet where uh, the blurred osphere is heard first, loudest, and most often. And you know what? I bought the t shirt. 
<laughs> yes, you did. I did buy the T-shirt. <laughs> I got to get back into that community because it's been too long. Absolutely. I got to get back in. Um, and then, Manny, where can you be found at? Uh, I can be found at One-Eyed Art. Uh, lately, I haven't been posting a lot of stuff because... Uh, because you've been working on my Green Lantern shoes, right? Oh, you, no, you bet. Yeah, and you got to see this amazing picture. I'm almost done for you. Sweet. <laughs> when I get time between four kids and a yeah. full-time job, I get back to work. Like we've said, Jim, if we could do this all day for a living, Honest we would. To God, this but is, we got bills to pay. This is the best job in the world doing this right now is just hanging out with friends and talking comics and movies. And uh, you can find me at Jimmers with three M's on Twitter at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram, where I always post the various tabletop role-playing games that I have been playing recently. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be playing in not one, but two different tabletop Star Wars RPGs. So <laughs> one I'm running and one I'm being one I'm a player in. So it's going to be a long day of Star Wars for me tomorrow. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at Jim Mason. Don't forget, graphic content can be contacted directly at the official Facebook page for graphic content, which is facebook.com slash graphic podcast, at graphic podcast on Twitter, and at graphic content dot podcast on Instagram. If you'd like to send us a longer form email, as well as PDFs, artists, PDFs, not JPEGs, of your work so that we can we can help promote your work and maybe have you on the show to talk about it. Shoot us an email at thereal.graphiccontent at gmail.com. We'd love to have you on the show. So for Damon and for Manny and for Adam, who is still recuperating, uh, thanks again for joining us on our long dissection of the Black Panther film. Um, and I can't think of any better way to end it than to say, go to your favorite local comic shop and pick up some Black Panther comics. See you next time.